At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. There's a lot of buzz around caffeine. Some studies say it's beneficial, while others warn of its effects on the heart. Our heart docs sort out fact from fiction in this week's edition of Baptist Health Talk. Hey folks, this is uh, Dr. Jonathan Fialco, and welcome to Baptist Health Talk uh, podcast. I'm a practicing preventive cardiologist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute in Baptist Health, South Florida. And uh, as a practicing physician for almost 30 years, I I very often see patients who are kind of confused about things they're told. Uh, They hear things from relatives, they read things in the paper, and they're really not sure what it means from their health standpoint. Um, I could say that, you know, this is not just my patients, it's true for family, friends. What we're told is good one week can be bad for us the next week. We're told that if we eat this magical thing, we'll live forever. And if we don't do this, we'll, we'll have problems. So it gets very confusing. So our goal with this podcast is to speak with experts within the Baptist Health South Florida system and review the kinds of questions that I and others have and we hear about and provide some clarity for our listeners. If you have any thoughts about this podcast, and we hope they will be positive, please feel free to leave a message at Baptist Health Talk at baptisthealth.net. Um, and uh, any ideas for future topics you may want to hear about um, will be appreciated as well. Our topic today is going to be caffeine. What is it? What does it do for us that's good? What can be negative? Uh, just to give you some perspective, right now about 54% of the world's caffeine consumption is in the form of coffee. About 43% is tea. 85% of Americans will consume caffeine daily, and Americans consume about three times more caffeine on average than the rest of the world. Having said that, England and Sweden, which are just big tea-loving countries, do consume more than the United States. And with that little prelude about caffeine, we're on to the conversation. It's with a great pleasure that I introduce for our inaugural podcast my colleague and friend, um, Dr. Ian Del Conde. Um, Ian's a board-certified cardiologist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute in Baptist Health, South Florida. He has several leaderships within our cardiovascular space in our health system. He's the medical director of vascular medicine for Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute. And his general practice includes the recognition and treatment of complex vascular disorders as well as general cardiology care. He's also the medical director of our resistant hypertension program. Ian, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Um, so Ian, you know, as doctors, we, we, we see lots of patients. We try to assess their lifestyle. Part of our questioning is how much caffeine do they consume because we know it can affect their body. Before we get to the consequences, can you just speak to the, the crowd a little bit of what caffeine caffeine is and where we generally find it in our um, most common dietary um, sources? Caffeine is a, a very interesting molecule. It's been around for as long as civilization, basically. You can trace it to, to the Incas even earlier than that. And, uh, and I, I think that that speaks to the, to the addiction that humans have on beverages that contain caffeine. And you see it in, in, a, in a number of different forms in food from uh, from coffee tea which you mentioned chocolate of course which is another another of the sources but as you mentioned in the introduction by far coffee is the the number one source of caffeine and it's a real drug it may be organic it may be uh, found in nature but it has real pharmacological effects and that is one of the reasons that we continue to consume this psychoactive uh, component in, in, in food. 
So, so generally, if we talk about an addictive substance, we, uh, we specifically think it's got to be bad for us. But the reality is, I think some of the experience and data is caffeine is not necessarily bad in what we would consider appropriate doses. So, so you know, it's been around a long time, as you say. Many people enjoy it, the, the aroma, the, the traditional aspect. I love the smell of a cup of coffee on a Sunday morning. And with my newspaper, my dogs at my feet, it, it, it really brings relaxation to me. But what would you say are kind of the, the positives of caffeine besides that experience and that taste component? So I think that anyone who has consumed caffeine can tell you what the positive effects are. I think that uh, without reading any of the, the scientific literature, you know what, the, what caffeine does to you. It, uh, it uh, makes you more alert. I would actually say it probably makes you smarter. You can problem solve quicker. Uh, whether there's a component of placebo effect or not, I think that there, there, there could be some debate. But there's no, no question that will, uh, it will activate you both mentally as well as physically. So people do feel better and they can perform better with caffeine. That's something that you've established when you're in college studying for a test right. and, and various other components. Um, and then, of course, what about you know, some, of, some of the negatives? You know, again, as physicians, we'll see people who are jittery and have anxiety disorders or, again, I don't want to bury the headline and do your work for you, but you know, can't sleep or reflux. Let's go through some of the negatives that we see more commonly in our patients and certainly in, our pa- uh, in people in our society and then where medical issues may come into play. Right. So I think that there, there are some well-recognized side effects of, of overuse of caffeine. I think that the one we all, uh, we, we all know and, and have experienced perhaps in, in ourselves is the inability to sleep. It will induce insomnia. So uh, many people will realize that if they have a caffeinated beverage after maybe 4 or 5 p.m., they will have a hard time sleeping. And I think that this is, this is especially true the older we get. I think that the, the younger you are, the more you can tolerate. Perhaps the metabolism of caffeine is different in younger people. But that inability to, to fall asleep is, is probably one of the main side effects. And everything that that carries. And it is kind of remarkable when we talk to patients in our practice or in the community and they say, I, I really don't sleep well and can I have a medication sometimes they ask for and you find out they, they do consume a lot of coffee or Cokes or other caffeinated substances, including late in the day. And we would challenge them, well, we'll give up the coffee and you'll sleep better. And I'm like, no, but I, I, like my, I like my coffee. I like right. my caffeine. So sometimes um, we could argue they can continue the coffee. They just won't sleep well. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, um, in addition to, to 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 making you more alert, harder to sleep, it will also raise your blood pressure uh, acutely and um, and and your pulse. So, anyone who's had you know two cups of coffee or more or espresso, and we can get into the the, the actual quantities of caffeine, uh, you will experience that your heart is beating at a faster rate. Uh, perhaps you will experience some palpitations, which you you would normally not feel your heart beating, but after several uh, coffee drinks, you might feel that your heart is doing stuff that it would normally not be doing. Um, I, I, I tell my patients this, maybe 10, 12 years ago, we redid our kitchen and my wife, who's a decorator, um, put in one of those in-wall coffee makers. So you come in and push a button and it gives you the coffee and it's wonderful. So I come home at night after it was installed and I got this new toy to play with and I'm hitting all the buttons and I'm setting the amount and the strength and stuff. And I'm lying in bed that night and I was actually shaking. I had tremors and my bed was shaking and I felt my pulse and it was really rapid. And I started saying, what's going on? And then I realized I must have had about nine espressos <laughs> when I was testing the machine. I started laughing. I was saying, this is what my patients complain of. It's a a really uncomfortable and unsettling sensation when you're really ultra-caffeinated. But but I would also say that some people will experience some weirder, less usual side effects. So I'll give you my own experience with with caffeine intoxication. So a few years ago, I noticed that every single weekend, 
which I prepared my own coffee, French press, super, super loaded, concentrated, but I, I would have two or three cups. I would feel incredibly lightheaded towards the middle of the day. And I could not understand why that would happen only the weekends, never the, the work days. And, and after a little bit of investigation, I realized that I was consuming probably like a gram of caffeine. Which I did is not. A lot, which yeah, is a and lot. it was lightheadedness. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, it was lightheadedness, what I was experiencing, and it completely resolved uh, the, the minute that I stopped the coffee. Wow. Well, it's, uh, yeah, sometimes we don't realize the effects of things we do on a regular basis. Right. Um, so let's talk about, um, as we said, caffeine can have beneficial properties. It's not necessarily an evil substance, though, in too much like anything, it can cause problems. Sometimes people don't associate what they're feeling with the caffeine. Um, let's talk about what could be considered an, an okay or an appropriate amount of coffee. Obviously, it's different for everyone. As you very um, um, uh, importantly mentioned at the beginning, as you get older, you may become more sensitive to caffeine. So we'll see someone and say, this could be caffeine. They say, well, I've been drinking that my whole life. I'm like, well, you have never been 60 before. Right. Um, so where would you give some guidelines in terms of what's an appropriate amount of caffeine over the course of a day? So I think that um, a good approach that, that I would uh, encourage our listeners to, to, to use is think of, of caffeine as a drug. Um, as a dose. There is a dose that will produce a certain effect. Um, different people will react differently to, to, to certain doses of, uh, of caffeine. Um, I think that when you look at the, what, what the, the official recommendations, FDA, etc., cetera, uh, stipulate, they would argue that maybe 300 to 400 milligrams of caffeine a day is probably okay for most adults of normal weight. Uh, but this is where we have to start thinking a little bit outside the box. So does your weight change? Uh, as we mentioned, uh, age, uh, other medications, et cetera. So a normal, you know, brewed uh, cup of coffee will have anywhere between 100 and 250 milligrams of caffeine. Um, I learned that, uh, for example, Dunkin' Donuts coffee is probably one of the coffees with least amount of caffeine, whereas Starbucks probably one of the yeah. most uh, yeah. loaded yeah. Uh, coffees it out there. It keeps bringing people back to Starbucks. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's the, the business model, I guess. Um, but if you look at, for example, energy drinks, um, they, can, they can have pretty significant amounts of caffeine, up to 150 milligrams, one small can. People sometimes will consume two or three cans in, in one go. And there are many case reports in the medical literature uh, suggesting that this may actually be tied to serious uh, health uh, risks, uh, including certain arrhythmias. And some people, uh, I'm not sure that this is true or not, but some people have even argued that there may be an increased risk of stroke. And I think we sometimes we see <clears throat> relatively healthy young people um, doing intense workouts with the energy drinks, and we do see them coming in with arrhythmias and some other components. So there's definitely with that, uh, we'll see that. How about um, certain foods? I always hear, oh, I ate chocolate and there's caffeine, and really milk chocolate doesn't have a lot of milk chocolate no. doesn't really have a lot of chocolate, um, but really dark chocolates can sometimes actually have caffeine, which can affect people. No, right. You know, so chocolate has two, two uh, similar substances to caffeine. Well, one is caffeine itself, and the other one is a, a similar compound called uh, theobromin uh, from the same family as, as caffeine, very similar uh, physiological effects. Um, the amount of chocolate that you would have to consume to get anywhere near the, 
the, the doses that you would get with coffee are just not realistic. You're not going to have a, a cup, like a full cup of, uh, of dark chocolate. So I think that that's negligible for, for all practical purposes. So one of those things people unnecessarily fear in right. terms of caffeine and chocolate and chocolate preparations, which, which is great. Um, so just a, a few other points, I think, related to, again, those questions that we hear from patients. What about, what, what, what's your take on caffeine consumption in pregnant women or nursing women? And then follow up with that. What about in, in kids? Because, again, it could be in energy drinks. It could be in cola drinks and even Mountain Dews. There's other forms of, co- of caffeine than just coffee and tea where younger people might be consuming. Right. So from the medical standpoint, I can tell you that the difficulty that I, that I have or we have in discussing this topic is that there's very little high-quality uh, research out there to, to guide us. Um, however, what is known is that caffeine and its metabolites will cross into the placenta, and there are enough studies out there showing that the fetal heart rate increases in a, uh, in a linear response to the caffeine consumption of the mother. So there is, uh, there is enough to, to, to support the argument that whatever the mother does will have a direct impact on, on, the, on the fetus, on the baby, and this applies to caffeine. The FDA um, based on a number of, uh, of uh, different small studies, has, has said, you know, it's probably okay for, for pregnant women to have um, up to 100, 150 milligrams of caffeine in a day. Uh, they should be very capable of metabolizing the caffeine, and there should be absolutely no deleterious effect uh, to the baby or the pregnancy. Um, I know that many years ago, or perhaps decades ago, there was um, a uh, the, the idea whether placental blood flow could be compromised with caffeine. And I think that all of that has been debunked since then. That's, 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 that's worth it. What about kids? Um, the party line is that growing children should probably avoid uh, caffeine uh, in excess of 50 milligrams or so. So it, it's probably okay if they have half a, uh, a can of soda. I don't think that there's going to be any, any deleterious side effects from that. Uh, but certainly, you know, a 250 milligram Starbucks uh, venti is probably not a good idea. That's great. That's great. Um, so, so just to wrap up um, after those uh, excellent comments and thoughts, um, any recommendations, anything you can just tell people that regarding their benefits of caffeine or should they be concerned about certain things in a very simple way? Well, I think that the uh, that society, civilization has spoken. We like coffee. We <laughs> like its effects. Right. Uh I will fill you in, and what you know, the little that that is actually known from 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 research is that it seems to to in some way be protective against dementia. Um, the mechanisms are not clear. Uh, it is true that it elevates blood pressure in high quantities. It can exacerbate arrhythmias, as we talked about. Uh, believe it or not, it can actually help erectile dysfunction. There are s- small studies. I'm not saying that this is the treatment of erectile <laughs> dysfunction, but but I think that there are uh, enough studies saying you know there is a perhaps a small health benefit of uh, caffeine consumption. And if you enjoy it, perfect. Well, again, that wraps up our first uh, Baptist Health Talk uh, podcast. My thanks to Dr. Ian Delconde for lending his time and expertise in reviewing with us a few of the details regarding caffeine and caffeine-containing products that might make our listeners more aware of how it's making them feel. Um, Not infrequently, I challenge my patients who may be experiencing caffeine-related side effects to stop it for a few days, um, prepare for a mild withdrawal, maybe a headache, uh, maybe a little irritability, and then assess how they feel. Not infrequently, they say they sleep better, they're less anxious, their spouses may even say they're more pleasant to be around, so keep that in mind. Um, And thanks for tuning in. Again, any thoughts, requests, ideas, send an email to baptisthealthtalk um, um, at baptisthealth.net and we hope to have you listen to our upcoming podcasts some topics will be vaping back pain CBD oils and anything else you guys might want to hear about Um, have a great day 
Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at baptisthealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.